Reaching Tax Flow podcast, where the goal is to empower and educate you to legally and ethically minimize taxes paid over your lifetime. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the podcast, episode 71. Today, we are going to dive headfirst into K-1s. What they are, what they aren't, and when you can expect them. But before we do that, as always, let's take a brief moment and thank our sponsor on this episode. This podcast is sponsored by The Mortgage Shop. Are you looking to qualify for an investment credit loan without jumping through hoops? That's easy. They have loans with LTV up to 89.99%. Exploring their products and discovering how they can work for you is simple. Just visit mortgage.shop or call 865-325-2566 and tell them TTF sent you. All right, folks, let's jump into it. Let's talk about these K-1s. But... You already heard about the sponsor. Now, let's hear from the man himself, Chris Pakiro. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are we today? Oh, it's awesome to be back. Johnny T, how are you, sir? Doing great. Doing great as always. And I'm going to start this one off with a dad joke. Dad joke of the day. Probably going to hear my K-9 barking in the background, but that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about these K-1s. Woof. Oh, that was rough. That was rough. The only thing I would give you is maybe you should have said, what would, what would you get if a W-9 and a K-1 form had a baby? You'd have a K-9. Oh, I forget about that guy every once in a while. I think that came up in one of our earlier episodes, and uh, I forgot who we were doing it with, but I think they just started busting out laughing. Anyways, let's get down to business. So, Chris, give us really your definition, your outline of what exactly a K-1 is for those of our um, our audience, our community that may have never heard of one before. Right. So if you have not heard of one, you're not alone. Uh, it's, But it is a very common form. Okay. A K-1 is an IRS form that reports a lot of information that is vital to your tax preparation. And the best way I could describe it is that when you are an employee of, of an organization, your earnings and your tax withholdings and a bunch of other stuff is reported on a form. That form is called a W-2. The K-1 is the W-2 equivalent for people that are involved in what we call a transparent or a flow-through entity. So let me paint a picture for you. There are certain types of, of entities that don't pay a federal tax. Any type of federal tax on income earned by that entity or, or losses and deductions is paid for on a personal tax return in general. So, for instance, um, partnership entities taxed as a partnership, which would be a partnership or a multi-member limited liability company or LLC. Entities taxed as an S corporation. Uh, shameless plug, check out our S-Corporation podcast episode. And trusts and estates, these are the typical entities that they do not pay a federal tax. If there's taxable income, deductions, credits, et cetera, et cetera, those are all allocated to the beneficiaries or owners, depending on what type of entity it is, and reported on a form pay one. So many people receive a K-1. We have people that receive many, many K-1s. 
in that acti the activity on the K-1 is reported on your personal tax return. So let me make a real easy example, John. Let's say you and I, let's say you and I decide to hit the gym and we decide we're going to start a new LLC. And you, you and I start a new LLC uh, where we were professional dancers. Yep. Oh, man. Don't give away all the secrets now. It's um, So the LLC, we own it 50-50, and we earn a total of 500 now. That's $1,000 for the year because we're terrible dancers, and the only people that would hire us would would be very desperate. Yeah, we... Or they're blind, let's be honest. Well, that. yeah, there's there's there they're very few. But anyway, so $1,000 comes into the LLC. Let's say we have expenses of $100, so the LLC itself has a $900 profit. If the operating agreement of the LLC says you and I split the profits, you and I would each receive a K1 for 400 showing reporting $450 of net income, and we would have to pay tax on that. We couldn't tiptoe around it, if you will. I know that's an awful joke when we're talking about dancing but you know what we got let's be honest about this one too we we got to have a good time doing this i mean for gosh sakes we're talking about taxes and dancing on this show so we can't tiptoe around the you and i would each get a k1 the k1 would report four hundred fifty thousand dollars of the net income and you and i would be responsible for reporting that amount on our tax return now that's the most basic example that i could make um but that K-1 form really gives us a lot of information when we're as, as a tax professional uh, on, on a lot of things. So it's not just income, it's deductions, special deductions like bonus to, or section 179 depreciation um, in credits. Sometimes credits could, could flow through the K-1 like research and development credits, uh, um, employee retention tax credits, credits for solar, so anything that the that the entity that you're involved with reports on its return would flow on your your personal return and in in deductions like I said information about the section 19980 deduction the K1 is a pretty complicated form and my advice would be is if you're someone that's receiving a K1 or more than one K1 deeply consider working with a tax professional when it comes to tax preparation and Chris so these K1s they really are the byproduct of a form 1065, if I'm correct on that one. But then let's talk about timing for a minute. So the timing of when these are usually issued or are required to be issued, if I remember this correctly as well, is right around that middle of March, March 15th. And they are received very similar to a 1099, I believe, right? So, you know, everybody kind of sits and waits a little bit to get those 1099s in the email. Um, or in their in, or um, I'm sorry, in their inbox or in their mailbox, and that's similar as well to these K ones, correct? That's correct. So K ones are um, de depends on, on on the entity. And let me, I, I probably should have mentioned this earlier. A K one is part of a tax return for an estate or trust, which is a form 1041, an S corporation, a form 1120s or an entity taxed as a partnership, a Form 1065. So K-1s are not... The, the difference between a K-1 and a W-2 is a K, the K-1 is part of an attachment to the federal tax return of foreign entity, where W-2 is a separate payroll tax filing from the entity. So 
Um, but yeah, so for partnerships and S corporations, those tax returns are due March 15th and the, thus the K-1s are due March 15th to the recipients. Now it is very, very common that these tax returns are extended and they can receive an automatic six month extension till September 15th relatively easily. I would argue that at least half of all partnership and S corporation tax returns are extended beyond March 15th. And a lot of times it's good tax planning. This is where work gets tricky though. You know, you want to make sure that you do extend that tax return because the penalty for not filing a partnership or S corporation tax return by March 15th on the federal level is approximately $200 per member per month. So per K-1. Meaning if let's say you have a you get together with 12 buddies, you guys buy an apartment building, you, oh, we got a multi-member LLC. And in April 5th, you decide, oh, I, we probably need to talk to a CPA or a tax professional to get the tax return prepared. You already went past the March 15th deadline, 12 times $200, you're already into the $2,400 of penalties. So key takeaway here, K-1's part of the federal tax return, you will be issued that, um, if you're a member or S-Corp owner, or if you're a beneficiary of an estate or trust. One more thing to point out, a K-1 could be issued to a non-individual. An LLC could be a member of another LLC. So sometimes the K-1s, K-1s are issued to whoever the owner is. And what's put on the K-1 really depends on the documents for that entity. So for S-Corporations, it's pretty straightforward. But when we're talking about multi-member LLCs and partnerships, so entities tax as a partnership, for a partnership, it's the partnership agreement. For the LLC, it's the it's the operating agreement. Those documents tell the tale of what goes on that K-1. So John, in our dancing example, our operating agreement might say, well, John's a much better dancer. He's got better flexibility. Um, he gets 60% of the profit and I only get 40% of the profit. So that K-1 would report 60% goes to John, only 40% goes to myself. The estates and trusts, those are due April 15th or obviously a little later if there's a federal tax holiday or a weekend. So those due dates are more in line with a personal uh, tax return. Well, sir, let me start off by saying I appreciate your flexibility and yeah. distribution there. But let's... Uh... Let's look at regarding timing again. I know I know we spoke on that a little bit, but let's um let me paint a picture, as I believe you like to say, on a situation. So say I, John Taxpayer, am a diehard refuse to file a tax deadline extension and I'm waiting for a Kate one. I'm I'm expecting this middle of March. Here I am waiting, 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 patiently waiting, and we'll call them the issuing party decides to file an extension on their end. So they have not filed their tax forms. As a result, no K-1s are being issued. So what do I do on my end regarding actually filing my taxes for the year? Do I make an assumption on what that's going to be? Um, or I should say the amount on that K-1. Where where do we go from there as far as you know? how do I handle this situation since obviously the issuing party, filing that extension, I am in zero control of. Right. At that point, what you would do is you would file a federal tax extension, and then you would ask whoever is in charge. So for an entity like that, like let's say it's a multi-member LLC, you always have a tax matters partner 
you'd ask the person that's that's kind of in charge of getting the tax return together what what is expected what is what is the expectation for my my portion of the income and deductions and if it's going to create a situation where you owe on your personal tax return then you would extend your personal return and make a payment to cover what the expectation is uh, if you if it's a loss or it's going to just increase your refund you're just going to have to wait it out and that's where you know you're going to have to understand that when you get involved with entities that issue k was that that it's going to just take a little while you know it's not like the best way i could describe it john is think about if you if you have a w2 and a mortgage statement uh you can you could have your tax prepared or you could prepare yourself relatively quickly so you could just throw it in a microwave right but when you have a lot more complex situation, when you're making a four-course meal, you're not going to make a four-course meal in a microwave. You need more time. So you, if you're sitting down for that four-course meal, you can't expect that you're going to have the food in a minute to two minutes. Great explanation. Great explanation of that. And kind of reiterate a few things. I mean, it really does sound like it all boils down to communication. Like many things in life, communication is key. But... We're making the assumption, but I'm going to assume that, you know, getting into business with another party like that, um, K-1s are being issued, they probably have a pretty good idea, right? So if you reached out to them, they'd probably be able to say, yes, you know, this is roughly where you're at um, or what you can expect on your end, correct? You you should. You should have a really good idea. And that's what we do a lot of estimating what that's going to be. A lot of, in our private CPA practice, a lot of these uh, partnership tax returns are on extension because typically they're purchasing real estate assets and it's going to take a while to get the cost segregation study done for that. Um, it could take a long time to even collect information to prepare the K-1s. Each K-1, the K-1 has the taxpayer's name, either the social security number or EIN and a mailing address. So those are things that have to get collected. And so let's take the angle of John, let's say you said, I'm going to get 12 buddies together and I'm going to do this, you know, buy this apartment complex. And everyone pitches in, let's say 10 grand. And then you get, I don't know, probably not much for 10 grand. Let's say everyone puts in $100,000 and then you finance some of it. You get the deal done. It's February and you're thinking, oh gosh, I've got to issue these K1s. What do you not have unless you know what you're doing? You don't have everyone's social security number, name. You just have their money wired. So those are things once you start. If you're someone out there listening that you want to put together a partnership or, or you know an entity, make sure you get that information in advance. Uh, not that someone's going to hide that from you, yet it's it's important to have that. So because you know you need it's just like try, when you're back to the cooking example, you, you can't take a uh, something in the oven and say, oh, I should have put you know the pizza's almost done. I should have put X on it. You know it's already cooked. It's going to be bad if you just slap raw onions on it unless you're a wacko and you like raw onions on your pizza um you know so those, that should have been but so that's that's where um, that's where that that comes into place and, and if you are someone that's putting together a partnership but what you want to do is you want to get w9 so very similar when you issue a 1099 to solve you get someone's w9 information that's the irs form where someone would submit that uh to the person putting it putting it together so putting the k1s together but yeah, you should have an idea of what the profit loss is going to be, and um, that way you can you can either extend your personal return. Um, because if you 
If you file a return without the K-1, now you're going to have to amend the return. And that's not, that's not fine. That's for sure. So here's a question or series of questions on a situation, fictitious situation, that I know will absolutely make your CPA just heart cringe. So, excuse me, let's say there are two individuals going to business with each other. So they're forming a partnership entity and they have no idea what a K-1 is before they listen to this podcast, of course. No idea what a K-1 is. No idea that these need to be issued. The questions are, A, is that okay? And really, B, how do you go back and fix this? Kind of unravel all the the boo-boos that were made, say, over the past couple years. And I, I say this, too, because I know there's people in our community that this has happened to or may actually be likely in that path or going down that path or will be going down that path and they don't know exactly what they're getting into. So what might we be looking at with a situation like that? I'm taking myself into consideration in full transparency. About 25 years ago or so, me and a buddy got into business, decided we're going to sell race car engine parts together. Um, we basically just bought our own stuff, registered, um, just registered as an LLC at my parents' house at the time. Obviously, I moved out from there, and they kept getting bunch of crap in the mail. Buy pens, buy notepads, buy t-shirts, everything under the sun. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, so what might somebody be looking at if they get themselves or will be getting themselves in a situation like that? So if you have a, when you form an LLC and you, you get a federal, you obtain a federal identification number from the IRS, you state, is it going to be multi-member or single member? If you put multi-member, then it's going to issue you that federal identification number and let you know that there's a tax return due March 15th of the next year. That's for the first step. So if you do that and you're you're sitting there thinking, oh gosh, I don't have all the partner's information, then you're, you're going to need to file an extension for that partnership tax return. That's your best option until you can get all the information. Makes sense. Makes total sense. Really, it's just, it's pretty cut and dry, right? You just got to pay attention. Exactly. You just need to know. I mean, that's where once you get to the point where you're having multiple people within a business, even if it's a, two spouses, you really need to work with a tax professional. Um, there's some, no, to kind of put a bow on this this, this, this podcast sounds like a bunch of doom and gloom, like, oh gosh, K-1 forms. There's a lot of opportunity with K-1 for, you know, with, with multi-member entities, to especially multi-member LLCs or partnerships to take advantage of some tax strategies. And just, I'm going to do the name off a few. Income shifting, right? I can own 50% of an Etsy. You can own 50%, but I get allocated more or less income than you. I could get allocated certain deductions and credits and you don't. Because maybe they're going to, you know, it's just proper planning, right? And, and it might be, you, you might be doing more work than I am with it. Um, so income shifting is an opportunity. Um, there are some tax strategies that a lot that that push through deductions and credits through K1s that could really help you out as well. So there's just a lot of opportunity also in the tax planning side of things with more more advanced entities. Be them and most of them are going to be your partnerships, you know, and LLCs taxed as a partnership. But I think that the 
the best thing to do is one, as as a the takeaways. If you're someone that receives K-1s, don't be afraid of them. They're they're forms that a seasoned tax professional is very attuned, attuned to, to working with. Make sure you submit them to your tax professional and don't be alarmed if it's going to take a while to get them. These are very complicated forms. Uh, they're not just cranked out, you know, like a W-2. Two, if you're someone that has to issue K-1s, make sure that you get all of the members and partners and S-Corp owners information before, like when the entity is formed, not after the fact. If you don't have all of it, take a breath, just file an extension for the entity and make sure you get things done the right way. You're better off delaying things and getting things done the right way instead of doing things, taking shortcuts, because just like in life, when you take shortcuts, it always comes back to bite you in the hiney. Finally, remember, March 15th, now, if it's on a weekend or a holiday, is the due date for any Form 1065, which is a partnership return that's going to be your partnerships, multi-member LLCs, S-Corp returns, 11, Form 1120S. And if you get to that point or you're even close to that point, file the extension. Finally, remember the K-1 forms are not separately filed. They are filed with, the, with the, either a partnership return, S-Corp return, or in a state or trust. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And thank you as always for diving into the details with us. I know I appreciate it. I know our audience appreciates it. We get great feedback. So that being said, believe it or not, I don't have anything else to add to this. I'm actually going to shut up because you did such a good job. So thank you for that. And let's go ahead and close it out like we refer to do every week here on the show. We will see you back here, same time, same place, different topic, next week here on the Teaching Tax Flow Podcast. Hey everybody, John Trapolsky here from the Teaching Tax Flow team. Just wanted to say thank you again for joining us on this episode as we looked at K-1s with the man himself, Chris Pacure. Founder, educator, and all the titles above here at Teaching Tax Flow. We appreciate the insight, and hopefully you got some good notes from this. If you came into it having no idea what a K-1 is, hopefully now you do. If you came into the show thinking you knew a lot about K-1s, and now you got a little extra knowledge nugget. Either way, we're glad to have you. Be sure to hop on to that Defeating Taxes private Facebook group. You just go to defeatingtaxes.com, sends you directly there. Ask any questions that you may have. That community is made up of tax professionals, taxpayers, many, many people that we work with at TTF on a daily basis. You name it, they're on there. So again, don't be afraid to ask those questions. So we will see everybody back here again very soon.
The content provided is for educational purposes only. We encourage you to seek personalized investment advice from your financial professional. For all tax and legal advice, please consult your CPA or attorney. Investment advisory services are offered through Cabin Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Securities are offered through Cabin Securities, a registered broker-dealer. The content of this podcast does not constitute an offer of securities. Offerings can only be made through an offering memorandum, and you should carefully examine the risk factors and other information contained in the memorandum.